0: So the truth of the matter is the human brain, and I'm a psychologist, so I teach this stuff about neurotransmitters and so on, the human brain consists in 10 billion cells. You have no idea what that means. They don't connect at the ends, called the synapse. So all electrical neural transmission goes across a liquid synapse to the next one. 10 billion in your head and mine. And every day, 10,000 of those 10 billion cells, neurons, die. And it doesn't matter if you spent that day eating yogurt and riding a bicycle all day or having French fries and watching TV. You're going to lose 10,000 cells no matter what. And it's linear. 10,000 a day. And you know what? It doesn't make any difference. 10,000 in 10 billion drop in the ocean until you turn 45. <laughs> <laughs> then the lights go out. So inside my head, it is dim. <laughs> and they don't resuscitate. The purpose of aging is to prepare to die. The purpose of living, the purpose of living is to prepare to die. Daily life is a training ground for death. So God gives us lots of little deaths and resurrection all day long. The easiest one to see is sleep. When we go to sleep, we lose it all. Anytime we go to sleep, we lose it all. We lose consciousness, lose our friends, lose our money, everything is gone. Nobody's home. It's like gone. I'm just dead. Which is why some of us have trouble going to sleep. (laughs) By the way... What I really lose is control. I no longer can control anything. I can't control my bowels or my bank account, nothing. I'm just asleep. And then in the morning I wake up, oh, I need some coffee. <laughs> yes. That's a resurrection, a diurnal. God gives us that to help us understand death and resurrection, if we see it in Christian vision. The human breath is a death and resurrection. We exhale as the death, oh, gone. Where'd it go? I don't know. And then you get a new inhale. Oh, God gave me another breath. (sighs) Thank you, Lord. Maybe I won't get another one. But I got that one. (laughs) Thank you. And there are many little deaths and resurrections. Rejections are little deaths. We experience a diminution in a rejection in a setback and a failure. And then we rebound. But we need to see it in Christ's terms. Death, resurrection, death, resurrection, oh, till finally, when the last one comes, we're ready. I love the little story of St. Augustine when they said to him as an adult, If you were at the seashore and you were putting sand with a shovel into a bucket, and God said, You're going to die in one minute, what would you do? And he said, Keep putting the sand in the bucket. I wouldn't go around and make a perfect act of contrition and get on my knees and say, please, 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 please. God wants me there shoveling sand. I'll continue to shovel sand. Thank you. That's pretty sane. Let me say it to you this way. I'll, I'll be very arrogant. and I can do that because I'm, I'm healthy. If I were sick, I might have a totally different tune. But at this point, I'll say to you, I think I know what I'm going to do when I die. And I think I'm going to know what I'm going to do the minute after I have died. And the orthodox theology is, after we die, the judgment is not God judging us. God lets us judge ourselves. He says, how did you do? He's going to say to me, Al, I gave you two lovely kids to raise into Jesus Christ. How did you do? And I know exactly what I'm going to say. Lord, have mercy. Al, I gave you 50 seminarians a semester to teach and counsel how did you do? Lord have mercy. I gave you health and a nice place in Crestwood to live and lots of friends. How'd you do? Lord have mercy. He's going to say to me, is that all you can say is Lord have mercy? I'm going to say, Lord have mercy. (laughs) And you know what he's going to say? Come on in. I'm going to call him at his own game. Because that's what he wants to hear. I mean, that's what he has taught us. Just say sincerely, "Have mercy on me." Have I would say that? Have worm- uh, healing olive oil, my little Italian soul, and he will. So the grave is a mystical door leading to new life. Life begins with death. Once you learn how to die. Then you learn how to live. And conversely, if you haven't learned how to die, you really don't know how to live, because you become scared of airplanes and all kinds of things. Why? Because you don't know how to die. But if you know how to die, <laughs> it's all up to God. It's God's call. Anyone who hasn't spoken want to say something or ask something at this point. Meaningless suffering. I didn't really understand what you're saying. I don't know that I can. Oh, the question was, could I give an example of meaningless suffering? The best I can do is, I'll make a little humor then. My wife used to say to me at the end of, I come home at 5.30, she used to come out and hug me and she'd say, oh, Al, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you weren't hit by a truck today. (laughs) That was her definition of a good day for Al. (laughs) (laughs) Now I say that as a prelude to uh, a sober answer of: If a woman had her husband struck by a truck, dead, she had a couple kids, and her response was, "My dumb luck! God hates me, or there is no God, or why did this happen to me?" And becomes bitter because her husband was hit by a truck and died. That's meaningless suffering. That is to say, if what occurs prompts in me a response of negativity, anger, bitterness, resentment, withdrawal, isolation, if it's constricting, if it lessens my life, that's all I mean by meaningless suffering. That I woke up this morning with a headache and my dumb luck and other people don't have headaches and poor me and then na na that's meaningless suffering. It has no meaning. That suffering has no meaning. And, and where it goes is self-pity. Poor me. I have the headache because there's a God, and in some sense, he's, gonna, he's not away from this, and Lord, have mercy on me, and I believe that this headache has some meaning to you, so help me endure it. Now it has meaning. And I believe that it really can, in some divine sense, benefit my children. Help me. i don't understand it. I have no concept of what you're doing but you try to help me understand it, but at least I'll make feeble words that I believe this suffering in some sense is connected to the body of Christ and other people, and in some sense, like you did with your son, you're using my suffering to empower them. That's a very, very liberating thought. Now, we don't say that to people suffering. We don't patronize the sufferer, because it's easy for me to stand at a bedside and say pious things. By the way when my wife was dying those 18 months, teaching at the seminary, seminarians would come over and I wouldn't be home and i come home. She'd say to me, oh, so-and-so and so -so has come over today. Oh, Al, get them to come over more and have lunch with me. They left and I felt so good. I was so energized, so I'll try. On occasion, rarely, she would say to me, Al, so-and-so came over today and I'm gonna tell you You do whatever you have to do, but don't let him in my screen door again. Okay, I'll try, honey. Why? Because he came over and he played priest. And the one thing I do with our seminarians is I do my best to help them not play priest. I knew exactly what she meant. They come over. They can do a little work of mercy. They have a little object here to work on. They come in, they come in with a bounce. They ask her how she's doing. They're really not interested. They say some pious things, they say a prayer and they bounce out that door like they helped her. They didn't listen, they didn't care. They came and gave a little mini sermonette and sort of practiced on her. She's too sick for that crap. So I have a vengeance <laughs> that I carry and I you know explicate it every time I can about what it means to play priest and please don't do that. I will suffer. The only question is, what's my attitude toward it? And that I'm free to choose. And I'll choose one of those two things. I'll either get bitter or upset or or I will try to put myself in God's hands somehow. So my time is up. Three things. One, there will be a handout, what do I, a bibliography for beginners. Secondly, a homework, please think about one sentence I said that you say to yourself, well, that's worth thinking about. And then share it with somebody by the next time I talk. Elaborate a little bit, not just blah, blah, blah. Like elaborate a little bit what you think about it. You can disagree with it or whatever. And the third thing is we'll end with silence. I put my email address on the whiteboard I don't know if you can read it, but I will dictate it to you. And anyone who wants to email me, please do. A-L-R-O-S-S-I at optonline.net. O-P-T-O-N-L-I-N-E dot net.